not just connected with what you've done, but with who you are. But every now and then, we are caused to pause and to look back over our lives and count the blessings of God. And so, Father, right now, we agree with Sister Pat. We agree. To God be the glory. Let no man get the glory. Not the pastor or the members. Not even Pat. But let God get the glory. For the great things that you have done. And Father, we praise you this morning that you spared our lives. You should have killed us, God. But you spared our lives. We're alive because the mercy of God woke us up this morning. You didn't run us off the highway because the mercy of God kept us. You didn't cause an aneurysm or a heart to stop beating. Because your mercies are new every morning. Great is the Lord's faithfulness. And for that we give you the praise. And Father, we ask now, we, we're, so, we're so comfortable asking, but we're so sparing and praising. Teach us how to praise you, Lord. to give thanks for the great things you've done. Now as we turn our attention to the word we find comfort in knowing that there is a word from the Lord. No matter who stands in this pulpit if we are hungry for righteousness the promise is we're going to be filled. We're hungry today God. We're desperate for a word from the Lord. Speak God. Is our prayer in Jesus' name. Let the church say amen. Amen and amen. Sister Pat, you done poured your heart out to us today, sister. Let's put our hands together and thank the Lord. My sister, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do the technology thing now. And I'm going to preach from the Bible, but I'm using my iPad now. But uh, while I was getting ready to turn to my text, my cousin who was watching texts me and said, for the things he has done, hallelujah. I want you to know, my sister, that not only were we blessed in here, but there are people who were watching all over the world and were blessed by your ministry. Thank you for stopping by today. Can she come back, saints? Praise the Lord. You know, I, uh, I mean, she was already killing the song. I mean, just, I mean, that's a good thing. It's a good thing. She's, she murdered the song. That's a good thing. And, and then, sis, uh, the Holy Ghost told you to go ahead and climb on up and hit that. What was that? What was that note? What is that? A B flat. She poured her heart out. I love when people come and give their all. I know that's right. Praise the Lord. Saints, it's good to be back home. I promise you I missed you. I promise you I missed you as we were uh, laying on the beaches of Cape Town. (laughs) Saints, I promise. 
I mean, I, I, the only thought in my mind as I sat in almost perfect weather <laughs> with a nice cold drink in my hand and the African breezes wafting over me like a, like a cool blanket. Uh, the, only, the, the only thing on my mind was Cleveland, Ohio. I said, I, uh, oh, you were on my mind, saints. You were on my mind. Saints, it was an amazing experience. We'll talk more about it. I'm really excited to preach the word today. I want to pause and just say that uh, we look forward not only to seeing tonight, but tomorrow at uh, 10 o'clock, uh, I agree with uh, Elder Hall. I'll just be straightforward with you. We have a decision that we need to make, and it's very simple. Is the Lord asking us to stay on this property, or is he asking us to move? And we need to make that decision on tomorrow. This is not, should not be a surprise to you. We have been praying for a good while now, and it's time for God's people to come together. Not politics, amen? No agendas, just simply saying, God, what is your will? And to move in his will. So simply, we're asking that every member would be there. This is not the kind of decision. This is history making, one way or the other. And uh, we've got to make sure that all are, are present and accounted for. Would you say amen? amen? The decision has not been made. So whoever told that lie was lying. When the church comes together is when the decision is made. Your input and your opinion matters. That's what we do in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are not congregational, we are representative. Which means no one has the authority to make decisions on their own except the people of God come together in prayer and make the decision. That's why I'm tickled anytime I hear somebody say, man, so-and-so went and did all by himself. No, it can't, it's hard. it can't happen in the Adventist church. You got to go through a committee and a board and a church and business session and elder, a conference. Even what happens tomorrow ain't totally over. It's got to go through a conference. Do you understand what I'm saying? So what you bring to the table matters. Now, the Lord's already spoken to me, <laughs> but he has to speak to you too, amen? So we look forward to seeing you on tomorrow at 10 o'clock where we are excited to share with you. Now, I want to pause and say for a minute how thankful I am to have Melinda Woods as a part of Glenville. Amen. Sister Woods has the energy of, of my son Camden. <laughs> she is passionate about ministry. I will go to war with her any day. Her heart is in the right place. And God used her to raise up a recovery ministry in our church. We are the only church in this area that has this ministry. Come on, say amen, somebody. Somebody said, don't make a hissy fit, make history. My sister is making history here at the church. This is their second year in ministry. Would you say amen? amen? And their group is getting larger and larger. Thus, her work has inspired us to say, let's do an evangelistic meeting called Rehab. 
Because her whole burden is, is that recovery is not simply for crackheads. If you have sin in your life, you are in recovery. So tonight, our first subject, Pastor Coxman and I are going to tag team. And our first subject tonight will be rock bottom. You need to come and hear this tonight as we preach the word. Now, I need to say, I just, I'm going to get to it. But I want to tell this young man from Charleston, South Carolina, how thankful I am to have him as my associate pastor. could not have given me a better associate pastor than John Coxon. We are like hand in glove. Thick as thieves. Come on. We're tight. we like ugly on a monkey. Come on in here. Amen. This is my brother from another mother. And I want him to know that while I was gone, enjoying the <laughs> see, it's amazing. Ask my wife. When people heard we were going to Africa, they were like, "We're praying for you." God be with. Be careful. If you only knew that we stayed in mansions when we were there. If you only knew. Oh, it was a it was a blessing. And while I was there, we had not to worry about a thing here at Glenville because we knew it was under capable leadership. So, my man, I brought you back some. When I was there, they told me more than likely that I'm a part of the Zulu tribe. And they gave me a name, Mandla Nkosi. It means powerful king. So I want to bestow that same title upon this powerful young man, John Coxon. This is an authentic Zulu spear used in battle. Every Moses needs a Joshua. Every David needs a Jonathan. And my brother, I want to present this to you on behalf of me and my family just as a thank you to tell you, man, that we appreciate you letting the preacher go away for a little while and spend some time. All right, praise the Lord. All right, let's, let's, let's get into the word. I'm excited now to go to the book of Acts, the sixth chapter. I don't know, if we turn the air down, did more black people come in? 
Can we? Is it on? It's still, is it on? Is it on? Air, air conditions on? We got more black people in here. So I'm gonna tell y'all like this: whether we leave or go, we—I mean, whether we stay or leave—we got to get some air conditioning up in here. Because when black folk come in, y'all know what happens. It's, it's, it's getting hot in here. But don't take off all your clothes, amen. Acts, the sixth chapter. We're going to begin a new series for our Sabbath services entitled Pray Church. Somebody shout Pray Church. And we're going to be looking at effective prayer. Prayer that makes a difference. Prayer that makes a difference. Tonight, this morning, we want to preach under the subject Pray Church. Our our, our text is Acts, the sixth chapter. Acts chapter six. Acts chapter six and verse one from the New International Version of the Bible. I believe it is going to the screen momentarily. Acts chapter 6 and verse 1 through, through 7. Acts 6, 1 through 7. How many of you are hungry for the word? Now, I've been in Af- I was in Africa for two weeks, and I got used to people being hungry for the word. Uh, when, when, after an hour, they're looking at you and asking, are you done yet or are you going to keep on preaching? I mean, we're seven nights a week. We, there's five, six hundred people coming out night after night to hear the word. In the cold, they brought blankets in to hear the word. So don't, uh, don't disappoint me today. I'm tempted to go back there, but if y'all, would, if y'all would stay with the preacher this morning and don't fall asleep on me, come on, say amen, somebody. Hang in there with your boy. Acts 6 and verse 1 through 7. The Bible says, in those days, in those days... That's a, that's a, a statement of continuation based on what just happened. And you know I'm going to talk about that. The Bible says in those days when the number of the disciples was increasing. Somebody say increasing. Uh, the Greek word there is multiplying. God went from addition to multiplication. Come on now. The Bible says in, verse, in chapter 3 that he was adding to the church. And now the power of God is getting so busy that he's multiplying. Come on in here somebody. The Bible says... When the work of God was going forward, when the disciples were increasing, when souls were coming to Christ, when the grip of Satan was being loosened over people's lives, as people were being delivered, the Bible says the Hellenistic Jews, or the Greek Jews, among them complained, somebody shout drama, against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked. In the daily distribution of food. Somebody shout drama one more time. Verse 2 says, so the twelve, this refers to the apostles, gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right. Y'all repeat that with me. It would not be right. Say that one more time. It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Verse 3. Brothers and sisters, they had to call a meeting. And they said, choose seven men. How many men, everybody? From among you who are known. (laughs) I love that. They're known to be full of the spirit. And what else, everybody? What does it say there? And what? And wisdom, and wisdom, and we will turn this responsibility over to them. Verse 4, and will give 
This is my preaching desk. And we'll give our attention to what, everybody? To prayer and the ministry of the word. It's important to note here that in the Greek, it literally suggests, it's not saying prayer and the word, it's saying the praying of the word of God. The pray- so in other words, prayer takes preeminence over the word. That the word does not even have, we cannot even gain understanding from the word if the word of God is not baptized, marinated, dipped in, deep fried in prayer. Amen. Amen? Amen. So it's important to note that verse five says this proposal pleased how many everybody according to the screen? It pleased how many? It pleased a whole group. And they chose Stephen. Y'all know who he is, don't you? A, a man full of what? Faith and the Holy Spirit. I love how they, 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 their nominating committee worked, Elder Davis. They did not choose people based on reputation or how long they've been in the church. The Bible says they chose them based on two things. They were full of the Holy Spirit and they had wisdom. Amen. Then they should serve in ministry. The Bible says they chose uh, a few other guys. They're all Greeks. Uh, Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. Verse 6 They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. Here was the result of this strategy. So the word of God did what? Come on, talk to me now. The word of God did what? The word of God did what, everybody? This is the goal and purpose of the church. The word of God spread because of prayer and because people were released to do their assignment. The Bible goes on and says the word of God spread. The number of the disciples in Jerusalem increased how? Rapidly. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Subject today is pray church. Pray church. Pray church. So here it is. One of the things that I am constantly being turned back to, elder, is... Number one, God always causes me, when I drift, to turn back to the teaching of the Holy Spirit. Number one. I, I have a tendency, Pastor Coatsum, to, to, to forget that it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by the Holy Spirit. I'm sorry, I, I have that in me. I, I have a tendency to, to fall to my flesh and want to do stuff on my own. And I've come to realize, uh, BJ, that, that, that when I do stuff on my own, it's just not as blessed. A lot of times it fails if I'm not dependent on the Holy Ghost. The thing with the Holy Ghost that, that, that really has the pastor all in a tizzy is this. When the Spirit of God comes in your life, and this is why many of us do not want the Spirit of God, do not really want the Spirit of God. I mean, really want him to come in our lives. Because when the Spirit of God comes in, then you are no longer in control over your life. All right. The second thing that I have a tendency to drift from that the spirit of God is constantly pulling me back to, Willie, is this notion of grace. I have a proclivity and a propensity to expect more out of others than I expect out of myself. So in other words, God is always, I mean, every day God is smacking me upside the head and said, dude, you're too judgmental. You need to give people the same grace that I gave you. It's so much, it's so easy uh, to accept grace, Sister Jones, but it's so much more difficult to give it. And the word of God expects us, Sister Radney, that we are to give grace the way that grace came to us. Can I get a witness in here? That's Christianity. Christianity is giving people what God gave you. 
I know you think you're saved and I know you've been in church for a long time, but tell me you're living that. Tell me you're loving on people the way God loves on you. Come on, some of us struggling just to love our own children that way. Can I get a witness in here? Come on, some of us can't even love our husbands and wives in that kind of way. So these things, I mean, over and over again, I was telling a buddy of mine the other day, I can't even stop preaching about it. I cannot get away, Sister Anthony, from the Holy Spirit and my need of him. And I can't get away from God's grace. And then the last thing that I'm going to preach about today and what this series is going to be based on, God is, I have a tendency to drift away from being committed to being a man of prayer. Now, I know, I know everybody in here prays. If I were to ask how many of you are uh, uh, pray, there would not be a soul in here that would say they don't pray. Everybody in here prays. Come on, say amen. amen. But everybody in here is not a praying person. There's a difference between praying and being a man or woman of prayer. Let me explain a little further. There is a difference between praying and being a person, Michelle, whose whole life's foundation and movement is the engine in your car is prayer. At my funeral, let him say he was a praying man. If they say she can sing, but but she can't pray, then something's wrong with that. If if you're known for how tough you were and and, and how you didn't take no mess, but but no one made mention of the fact that that they prayed, then we have, oh, hear me now, then we have not embraced the very core of what it means to be a Christian. Now, let me break this down. I'm going to take you through some text. First of all, understand this. The reason why prayer is so important it's because God is important. That wasn't deep, was it? That didn't, that didn't require much thought, did it? Understand what I'm saying? So God has chosen through the medium and vehicle of prayer that he will work in no other way except through prayer. No, you're not, you're not with me right now. In other, way, in other words, God will not work outside of prayer. If God is not working powerfully in your life, then there is something wrong with your prayer life. When prayer becomes secondary, then God becomes secondary. You know, the Holy Ghost dropped this on me the other day and I had to ask myself very clearly. The Holy Spirit said, he said to me, he says, is your house a house of prayer? And I had to think about that thing. I said, it's probably more a house of TV. I mean, just being honest, Amen. I ain't going to spiritualize it and pretend Amen. like it is. Stop lying, telling that lie. I don't care if you got a little sign over your, over your house when you come in. This is the Lord's house. You know, some of y'all got stuff in there talking about, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. When you walk in, you got that big white wedding Bible. I mean, open up to the scripture. Come on, but to, let's be honest. If we were to sincerely judge what goes on in our houses, Amen. can we say that our homes predominantly are known to be homes or homes or houses of prayer. Now, remember what I said, guys. I'm just trying to set it up. God does not work outside of prayer. 
the vehicle in which the, the omniscient, omnipotent power of God, the God that can't be contained by time and space, the God that is so powerful when he speaks in the darkness, things happen, lights come on, planets are birthed because of the word that comes out of his mouth. But even God himself has reclused and restrained himself to only work when people pray. And oh my God, it is the law of prayer. God has made himself subject. Oh, let me help you out now. Listen to the authority that God has given you. God has made himself subject in your life to work based on whether you pray. The word of God says, we have not. Listen, this is going to sound so simple, it's going to make some of y'all mad. But I hope it does, because I want you to start thinking. If you are not experiencing the miracles of God, as we see in the book of Acts, which we're going to outline momentarily. If you're not experiencing that, it is because there is something wrong with your prayer life. If I just read, if the scriptures tells me that I have not because I ask not and some of us are asking and we're still not getting. So the problem can't be with God. Next Sabbath, I'm going to tell you the difference between the people who prayed in the Bible and our prayers. Let me just throw one thing out here real quick. People that prayed in the Bible, they never prayed vague prayers where they didn't really ask for something. They did not pray prayers and throw this little tag at the end to avoid disappointment like, uh, Father, I want you to heal my daughter, but, but if it be according to your will. People in the Bible didn't pray like that. They didn't try to give God an out. God, God, I hope you just get me in school, but, but if it ain't your will. They, they didn't pray like that. They would box God in a corner. And they would say, God, right now, Moses told, God told Moses, I'm going to kill all these people that have been following you. I'm going to kill them because they've been worshiping a calf. I'm going to kill them. Now, as I said, as I said in the first service, if God tells me something like that, I mean, audibly speaks to me and says, I'm going to do this. I'm simply going to say, okay, God, I agree with you. Yo, but your boy Moses had this, had this connection with God. I mean, and it was through prayer. He had this walk with God where when God said, I'm going to do this, Moses said, no, you're not. He says, you're not going to do that because that, he said, people would not believe that you are who you said you are. Father, I declare right now that instead of them, me, let it be me. But God, change your mind on this. And the word of God says that God changed his mind. We don't pray like that. That's why churches are empty and kids are still strung out and marriages are falling apart and, and, and people are at odds with each other and, and, and there's death and, and no life and, and people are more into a show. They'll pay money for a concert, but they won't come to a prayer meeting. I mean, there's something wrong in the body of Christ. And my thing is this, as I'm looking at the, bear with me because I've been gone for a long time. I really want to preach. So, 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 so watch this now. Like, so. So, man, I'm looking, I mean, I mean, as a Christian, you got to read the book of Acts, right? So as I'm reading, because that's like Christianity, that's where it's birthed, that's, that's where it's really happening, that's where it's in this pure form. So I'm reading the book of Acts, read the book of Acts in your spare time. So I'm reading the book of Acts, and as I'm reading, man, I'm just like, wow, look at the stuff that's happening in the book of Acts. And you have to ask yourself, well, well like, we got more than they do. Yes. We got way more. I mean, we got, first of all, we got a building. Amen. They didn't have buildings. First of all, we got technology. We got cars. 
We have things. We have money. They had nothing. But, but I mean, as I'm reading the book of Acts, dude, I'm like, yo, why? How come we're not seeing the stuff that happened in Acts right now? Aren't we not just before the coming of the Lord? Aren't we supposed to be living in the best days of church history? I mean, I mean, come on. We're not getting worse. We're supposed to be getting better. And so I'm getting agitated now. I'm looking at the text. I'm reading Acts. And I'm seeing in Acts chapter 1, prayer. They come together. Because the, the Judas is gone. And now, and now they need somebody to replace him. And so what do they do? Pray. And then I go to Acts chapter 2. And, and, and they're crying out for the Holy Spirit. And first thing we see, they're in one accord and they're praying. And then I go to and then I go to the end of Acts chapter two. And what do I see? Every time there's prayer, there are miracles. So after they pray, then three thousand people come into the church in one day. Amen. 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 Oh, OK, so 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 you don't believe. So in Acts chapter four, I want you guys to go there. Go to Acts chapter four. Go to Acts chapter four. I want you to see it. I got to calm down. I got to calm down. I miss you. I miss you. But you know, what? I'm, honestly, I'm so scared that some of y'all going to zone out and fall asleep on me that I'm rushing. Just, but just make me feel that you're going to hang in there with me. I got a word. I got a word from the Lord, man. Come on. Hang in there with your boy. All right, all right. So, 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 so watch this now. I want you to go to uh, Acts chapter, Acts chapter, uh, Acts chapter 3. Let's go with 3 first. Go to Acts chapter 3 and verse 1. Acts chapter 3 and verse 1. So after Pentecost, 3,000 came. How many came in, everybody? I'm going to walk you through the scripture. 3,000 came in. How many came in, everybody? That's a miracle. We ain't seeing that. We're not seeing that. We ain't saying that. Look at all these empty chairs in here. People come to church when they feel like it. They'll sit at home and watch it. I mean, come on. Listen, we ain't, we not here. We're not here. And so I'm saying, wow, wow, this is awesome. So, so what happens after that? They don't get excited because they had a great day in Zion and they go into chill mode. The Bible says in verse one of chapter three, one day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. There it goes again. And, and so, so you know what happened after that, right? There was a lame man there that needed to be healed. He said, look, I'd rather take money because I'm so used to people coming in church and having no power. I'll take money because I know you don't got no power. They said, nah, you got the wrong ones. We got power. We don't got money, but we got power. Yeah, we don't got money, but we got power. So in the name of Jesus, get up. He stood up. And so what we see is when prayer happens, miracles happen. They went to pray and then a miracle. Are y'all still with me? So so now, now go to chapter four. Go to chapter four. So you know what happens, right? Anytime there is a move of God, you ought to expect opposition from Satan. <sighs> the church is growing at rapid light speed. Do you think Satan is excited for the things that have happened in Glenville? No, I'm serious. I mean, we were number one in the conference last year in baptisms for the past three years. Really? No, you think Satan is just going to sit back here and just say, you know what, man? Uh, you know, that, that's good. We're just I'm just glad for him. And, you know, as a matter of fact, I'm praying for you guys. Yeah, just, you know, you know I, I, so I, hope, I hope things get better for you. Or as a matter of fact, I'm going to take off today because I'm tired. I don't feel like going to church. So I'm going to let you guys go to church now because we're tired of destroying people's lives. So we're going to take off. The devil is not lukewarm like we are. There ain't no such thing as a Laodicean devil. So what does he do? He attacks them with persecution. So look what happens there. In verse 1 of Acts chapter 4, the Bible says, The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John, and while they were speaking to the people, verse 2, they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Look at verse 13. When they saw the courage of 
of Peter and John, verse 13, this is verse 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled. I just hope y'all are listening to me today. And unlearned, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. <laughs> Woo! In other words, they said, we cannot figure out why they have so much power. We cannot figure out why they're able to do the things we do. As a matter of fact, we can't even controvert it anymore. They're doing these things. The only thing we can think is that they've been with Jesus. Bible says, verse 21, after further threats, persecution. First thing that the Satan is going to do to keep you from praying is persecute you. They persecuted him, right? Now, I want you to look at verse 23. The Bible says, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. Verse 24, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer. If you keep reading in chapter 4, if you keep reading in chapter, are y'all still with me? If you keep reading, I'm just going to walk you through the scripture. If you keep reading in chapter 4, the Bible says, well, I'll, I'll tell you, and look at verse 31. So, listen, these guys have been persecuted. This is what normal church people do. When they get persecuted, they complain. They bellyache. Or they talk about the people that persecuted them. Or they, oh, I'm going through. Oh, y'all pray for me. I, I can't stand. Oh, keep me, keep me from people like that. Uh, it's just hard on me right now. Uh, things ain't going well. Oh, shut your mouth. Do you realize that you have not because you ask not? Do you realize that God has made himself subject unto your prayers? That when you reach out to the throne of heaven, God is bound by his word to come to your situation. You ain't being persecuted. You're being blessed. So, but watch, so, so, so the Bible says that they heard that they were persecuted and they didn't get scared. They start praying. Oh, sovereign Lord, <laughs> God, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly. That's their prayer. God, we demand. They said, we pray right now that you will give us more boldness to preach your word. Mm, I love it. I love it. I love it. Ah, they didn't say, God, God, let, let's take a few seasons and let's just take off for a little while until this thing calms down. They said they're persecuting us. God, give us more power. God, the enemy is coming against us. Give us more anointing. God, they're trying to take our children. Help us to preach with more power. Anytime you see the enemy coming into your life, it shouldn't make you scared. It should make you excited because you know that he knows there's something going on in your life that God is about to do. You get, come on. Yo, watch. In verse 31, I'm just going to walk you through. I ain't had time to do this in the first service. So let me walk you through. Verse 31 says, after they prayed, prayer precedes miracles. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. Uh Look at your neighbor and say it was shaken. Come on. Did you hear what happened? You see, listen, man, the prayer meeting got so powerful. The prayer, it didn't say after the praise and worship service. It didn't say after the preaching service. It didn't say after the evangelistic meeting. It said after the prayer meeting, it says that the place, are y'all hearing me? It says the place was shaken. You know I'm going to go here. God, I'm trying, I'm trying, to, show, I'm trying to demonstrate a restraint, but I'm going to go here. And that's why your pastor cannot understand. When he, first, when he first gets here, four years ago, when he first gets here, almost four years ago, uh, with prayer meeting, first night, 400 people. That's right. Second night, 450. I mean, boom, boom. Y'all remember? Balcony packed. People here. God stole me. He said, man, they weren't here for me. They was here for you. How you know that, God? Because they're not here no more. Where they at? The show ain't good no more. The novelty is worn off. 
You done lost your swag. You ain't the same dude anymore. Oh, they're used to you now. He said, that's the problem. He said, my people are too busy following spiritual superstars instead of following me. He said, I said, God, tell me, I mean, come on, how you going to say that? He said, look, when Marat Brown Clark came here, he said the place was packed. He said, look, when Crystal Aiken came here, the place was packed. He said, you about to bring the Walls group here this year. You know the place is going to be packed. He said, listen, I'm trying to tell you. He said, my people have not gotten to a place where it's about me. They're still looking for a fix. But let me ask you this. At the end of the concert, was there a shaking? At the, at the, at the end of, no, there was no shaking. But what happened in scripture is at the end of the prayer meeting, there was a shaking. Try to get people on the prayer line. They don't want to get on the prayer line. They find this reason. Well, it's number of women on there. Or this, that, the reason. Or, or uh, you know, it's too many old people on there. Listen, all the excuses that we make for not praying are designed and have been implemented by Satan. Because, ha, if you want to know what the devil is afraid of, then simply just examine what he's trying to keep you from doing. The devil is afraid of praying charges. Yes. Like, what am I doing that's more important than sitting in a room where God is and where he is waiting on the tiptoes of his quickness to answer my prayer just in case it needs instant response? Any excuse not to pray is demonic. Too busy to pray. It was born in the lab of demons. Yeah. Pastor, when I was in South Africa, they are amassing wealth. I mean, like you would not believe. It ain't the Africa you, 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 you done seen on TV. These black people are balling. Are they balling, honey? Look, they are balling. When we get off the airplane, we see Bentleys roll up. These guys ain't athletes and drug dealers. These are black men who own mines, gold mines. They're rolling. And I looked those people in the face and I told them right now, I said, listen, if you guys are not careful, you're going to become just like us. There was a day in Africa where, listen, man, they would cry out to God. But see, what they're doing is they're becoming just like us. And I can see it. They're becoming sophisticated. They're getting educated. They're getting wealth. They're getting nice houses. And all of these things are distractions to keep them from the main thing. You'll go to work, but you'll miss prayer. And if somebody makes the comparison, you think that it's unreasonable. Well, I got to go to work. Do you realize that what sustains your life more than your job is prayer? You don't believe that, though. Some of us depend more on our Social Security check than we depend on the power of God. God ain't subject to Social Security. If God wanted to, God could bless you right now in a minute with everything you need. Go to the next chapter, chapter 5. So he couldn't get them with persecution. The Bible says on one instance, uh, Mel, says on one instance, they flogged the men. They beat them to a bloody pulp. And after they got beaten, they got up and went and preached some more. (laughs) So Satan said, watch this, guys. Here's the setup. Satan said, I cannot beat them from without. Uh Let Let me pause and say this. What I am about to tell you is literally uncovering and exposing the works of darkness. If somebody is asleep, you better wake them up or else I'm going to call them out. I don't got time for this. 
understand what I'm saying here, brothers and sisters. God has been revealing in my own life, me and my family right now, on many fronts are experiencing the trial of our lives. There are things happening in my life right now, Orlando, that I could never have thought would have happened. Just thinking about it brings tears to my eyes. And God, and God is driving me through trial and tribulation back to where I belong. And that's on my face. We think we're doing something when we come up in here. And, and listen to sermons and, and, and repeat what we're supposed to repeat and say what we're supposed to say and leave what we're supposed to leave. But I'm telling you, there's a devil out there and he don't care nothing about that. And every time he sees God at work, he's coming with fury and with power to stop the work of God. Yeah. Amen. Wake up! Yeah. Sister Phillips, it's good to see you. To God be the glory. Mercy. Where did you come from? This woman was praying in here. I was there in the hospital with her. Should have died. But prayer raised her up. Mercy. Where did you come from? Look at the power of God. So notice now, in the church... He said, I cannot kill them from without. So I've got to get them from within. Anybody know what I'm talking about here? Ain't no drama like family drama. Ain't no drama like church drama. Let me say that again. Ain't no drama like church drama. So notice what Satan does here in verse in the same chapter. So now he's going to try to get them with hypocrisy. So Ananias and Sapphira sell something because God has moved them to give. But they, they, but they got paid. <laughs> oh, they got paid. They was like, we can't give all of this. The Bible says in church on Sabbath at high noon, they got killed by the Holy Ghost. You know, so I had to ask myself this question, Quinn. I'm, I'm trying to figure out, how come people ain't falling dead nowadays? Listen, they got killed for stuff we do all the time. Making a commitment and then not doing it and then lying to God about it. I mean, how many times have we done that? We made a commitment and not keeping it. They, they died. Listen, there should be dead bodies all over the place. You know why there's no dead bodies? It's not just God, because of God's mercy. It's because the purity of that church is not... It, we don't have the same purity in our church. Right. So you have to understand, anybody, you ever seen concentrated drinks? You know how they have those concentrated drinks that you can buy, especially if you're poor. You know, all my poor people, you can't afford real orange juice. So what you do is, come on, y'all been here, especially when I was in college. You know what I would go do? I would go get those concentrate frozen uh, drinks in the, in, in the can that you, that you peel the can, can top off of, and then you pour it in water, right? All right? And then you stir it up, and then you got what? Voila, orange juice. Come on. That ain't orange juice. That's sugar. That's sugar. But notice now, listen, if you were to take that same, when it has to be diluted in water in order to be tasty to you. Because if you eat the concentrated sugar straight up, man, that stuff will kill you. I mean, it is so potent and so strong. 
So what happened in the early church was there was such a concentration and undiluting of the presence of the Holy Spirit so that if anybody acted crazy, they didn't need the church to respond and discipline. The Spirit of God would break out on them. Come on. Peter didn't say, God, kill him. He said, man, y'all crazy. Y'all lied to the Holy Ghost. And that moment, boom, bow, dead. Our church ain't that pure. You know why we're not that pure? And purity has nothing to do with perfection or the absence of problems. Purity is dedication to the mission. See, they were so committed to the purity of the mission of the church that God was like, I ain't going to let two hypocrites come in here and mess it up. I'll kill them before I let them destroy the mission. Modern church is not all about souls. And here's an example of it. Even though they were pure, they had problems. In the next chapter, here we go. And we're getting ready to close on this. So watch what happens here. He tried to get them with hypocrisy, but they couldn't because God killed them. So you know what he said now? Now, huh, I can't kill them. I can't get them that way. The devil was like, okay, so how am I going to get them? So here it goes, guys. I'm about, to, I'm, about to, I'm about to straight up blow the devil's spot up right now. I'm about to blow his spot up. I'm about to show you how he's trying to take you out. Are you ready? Here it goes. Verse 1, Acts 6. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, God's blessing, right? It says, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So what happened? That was like, mm, can't get them from without, so I'll get them from within. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get them divided, which will cause distraction. I'm going to use drama to keep them from the main thing. So I want you to just examine the response. What, is the res- what the response is? It almost sounds kind of harsh. And let me just explain what's going on here. You had, you, had, you had like the conservative Jews who were from Jerusalem, and you had the liberal Jews who were from Greek, who had, who had Greek influence. And so what was happening is, is, you know, they both kind of looked at each other funny. And so in the day, they had all things in common during that time. I mean, they shared everything. So every day they would, get, they would give out food. And so what they noticed was, it was like, yo, yo, the conservative ones are kind of holding back on giving the Greek ones some food. As a matter of fact, they're overlooking the widows. Come on now. now if there's, come on, somebody, y'all. If there's anybody you ain't gonna mess with, don't mess with my mama. Come on, say amen. amen. Come on, how many know that's gonna start some drama? Amen. Come on, back in the day, if you looked at me and said, yo, mama, I mean, just, you had to fight. Come on, say amen. amen. I mean, if you, if, if we used to call it playing the dozens, right? Amen. I mean, if you go there on my moms, right. look, right. on principle, amen, on principle, right. we got to go to work, right? We got to go to work on yeah, principle. Work. Listen, that ain't new. Then they knew they were dealing, they were fooling with people's mothers, man. And so, man, the Greeks were like, they went to the apostles and were like, yo, y'all need to do something about this. They doing our mothers wrong. Is that a real problem? But guess what? Notice what the apostles did. Look at the text. This almost blew my mind. I was like, these guys are so insensitive. Notice what the scripture says. The Bible says in verse two, it says, so the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Verse 3, brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, and we will turn this responsibility over to them. Here's a key word. And we will give our attention to prayer in the ministry of the word. Yo, dude, they talking about my mama. They, they dissing my mama. It's my mom's. We need to deal with this. They was like, nah, we're not going to spend time and deal with this. We'll find somebody else to deal with it. And when they deal with it, they're going to deal with it, the Holy Spirit and wisdom. But we're not going to stop the work of God to deal with drama. Amen. 
I remember I had one sister tell me, she said, Pastor, before this ain't in this church, another church. She said, Pastor, she's like, ah, before we go into evangelism, we need to spend some time and get ourselves together. That's demonic. It's demonic. You know what Satan's whole job is in the book of Acts? You know what he's trying to do? He's trying to stop. Thank you, Tamika. He's trying to stop the church from saving souls. Listen, Satan knows that there's only one thing on God's mind right now. Yes, God wants you to get a job. Praise the Lord. God wants you to, you know, you, you be financially stable. Praise the Lord. Yeah, God's interested in your health. Praise the Lord. But God ain't interested in none of that if it's not connected with somebody getting saved. Period. The Bible says that there's only one thing on Christ's mind right now. I have come to seek and save that which was lost. The thing that drives God up, that wakes him up every day if he slept, was that he wants people to get saved. And Christians ought to have the mind of Christ. But we don't care if people go to hell or not. They were more upset that people were getting fed than that people were going to hell. You know what the apostle said? I said, you know what? I, I love these guys. They said, man, we're focused on this thing. This is a satanic distraction. Y'all find somebody else to handle that, but we're going to give ourselves to prayer. Watch this, guys. Watch this. Please, please don't miss it. I want to ask you a question. What was Satan trying to stop them from doing? Look at your life. Look at your life. I'm honest right now. I'm, I'm straight up with you right now. I don't have worship every day. I'm going to be one of the only pastors that tells the truth and saying the devil. I can't tell you that I'm up at 4 o'clock every morning praying for all of y'all. Sometimes I'm still laying in the bed asleep because I stayed up late last night watching a movie with my children. So everybody prays. See, that's why you can't go there with people. Do, 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 how, many, how many of you guys are pray, love to pray? Anybody going to say, oh, I pray, I pray. Look, if we were praying, like they prayed, then how come we're not seeing miracles like they saw? Because there's something wrong with our prayers. There's something wrong with our prayer life. And part of it is, is we're just not that committed to prayer. The scripture says they would not even let drama with their mamas stop them from praying. Get this, guys. Watch this now. Satan said they can have church. They can, they can get wealthy. They can get educated. They can read the Bible. But I cannot keep, I cannot have them praying. They can get bigger. They can have better churches. They, I mean, they can stream online. They can do all the stuff. They can, they can be more successful. They can be doing their thing. They're doing it. They're moving up in the world. They're doing their little ministry. But I, I let them do all of that. But I ain't going to let them pray. Yeah, come on, <laughs> keep them sleep in the morning and keep the TV on at night and, and keep them busy and keep them working and let their jobs be the reason why they don't got no time to get up and be on a prayer line or, or go to a prayer meeting. God help us. Go ahead, Pastor. 
Pray, church. Great. Does anybody see this like I see it? I'm looking at the text. I'm saying, oh, my God. God, help me. God has to turn me back again. Myron, you pray, but you're not a man of prayer. When's the last time you went on, well, it took an extended period of time for prayer and fasting? We don't have what we have because we don't ask. And I love that story in the Bible of the persistent widow. The thing about her, Doc, is that she didn't ask one time. She kept on bothering God. Uh, the Bible says that the judge, he, he said, I wish the woman would leave me alone, but, but I'm just going to give her what she asked for because she keeps bothering me. Oh, I need a miracle in my life right now. Anybody, got, anybody in here need God to do something in your life? Can I give you a suggestion? Don't just pray, but be a person of prayer. May your life be a life of prayer. Uh, I used to make fun of this administrator I had. Every time I get on the phone with him, I mean, for anything. I mean, at the end, he said, let's pray. And I'm like, this is too much, Doc. <laughs> You're trying to be spiritual. Oh, no, ain't nothing wrong with that. Oh, ain't nothing wrong with that. At camp meeting, I was telling my wife, at camp meeting, just this camp meeting, uh, they had this thing in the service where, 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 where uh, Elder Parkinson, and I had to go tell him, I had to repent. Man, they had one person pray. And I was like, oh, yeah, praise God. And then they had another person pray. I said, okay, all right, that's cool, you know. Then they had a third person pray. And I said, no, no, this is getting too, this is getting too much now. We need, to, we need to hear the word. My eyes open. I'm looking at my wife trying to figure out, like, yo, what's, I mean, well, come on now. Let's, let's move the program. By the time the fourth person prayed, I'm stretched out saying, God, have your way. By the time the fifth person prayed, I'm hearing my wife and me. We're both saying, yes, Lord, do it, God. By the time the sixth person prayed, we're shouting now saying, God, do your thing. Save families. By the time the seventh person prayed, it was bedlam in the house because there's something about prayer that moves the atmosphere that nothing else can. But we don't like praying. Man up, man up, man up. I admit it. I would rather watch the game than pray. Amen. I'd rather, you listen, man, if I wasn't a preacher, see, God had to call me to be a preacher, save my soul. If I wasn't a preacher, I would not go to prayer meeting. God had to call me to lead people in prayer meeting, to get my behind here. Yes. <laughs> now, that's what he had to do for me. I don't know what he's going to do for you. You better get on your face and ask him for the Holy Ghost. Because you know you got some excuses not to come. You got more than me. I got to be here. I got to get on the prayer line. I got to. But something happens. I'm telling you, something happens. Something. I remember that time that Shirley Caesar was telling that story about how she was in her backyard and they were playing church and, and they began to sing and it was Shirley's turn to preach and Shirley got up there and started the preaching and, and they were playing and having fun and they were laughing and said after a while the, 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 it turned from playing to be for real and, and Shirley got the Holy Ghost in and her mama came out there and they said mama, mama, look at, look at Shirley's look at Shirley playing and her mama said Shirley ain't playing no more Listen, when I was in that prayer meeting, I was playing at first. But as I began to see the power of God in prayer, Myron wasn't playing no more. 
I'm going there. I'm going there. And so what we have here in Glenville, I should have said Seventh-day Adventist Church. That way it doesn't sound like I'm attacking you. But what we have here at Glenville is the ones that lead in prayer are generally older women. Thus, my doctoral dissertation on why there are so many spiritually apathetic men in the black church and why they are the positional leaders, but the spiritual leaders are the women. Why? 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 There is something, and some of you are insulted by it, and I don't care. It's the God's honest truth. We're going to tell the truth anyhow. Look at the prayer warrior ministry. If I told them to stand right now, people just to, just to labor in the spirit and just to pray for people. But, 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 but it's all women and all older women. All due respect, my sisters. This is satanic. Let me show you something. Go to, second, go to 1 Timothy 2. The devil is trying to keep us from praying. He doesn't want a praying church. He don't want us praying. Go to here. Go to second. Uh, what, what, what books did I say, everybody? Oh, first Timothy. Hallelujah. First Timothy. And I'm going to show you this now. Oh, that's Thessalonians. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Praise God for the iPad. Amen. Get me there. Okay, here we go. Watch this. Now, listen to this. Men. Men. This is a word to the men. The first responsibility that God gives you is not to provide for your family. Amen. Thus, the devil wants men to be consumed with making money yes. and grinding. Yes. He loves when men sit around and talk about sports and, and talk about nothing and are all real superficial. And most of us men in here don't have any real friends. We have a bunch of acquaintances that we high five and we chest butt and we act cool with. But let's be honest, we're not pouring our souls and our lives out to other brothers because that's gay. Right. (laughs) So number one in suicide, men. Number one in murders and serial killers, men. Number one in depression, men. Number one in heart attack, men. Number one in all that stuff, men. And there's a reason why. It's not you. You know what it is? The devil... Is trying to keep you all from praying. No, not just from offering a prayer as you're driving in your car, but from being men of prayer. Listen, when you look back at the old days of the church, I'm talking about with John Chrysostom and the early fathers of the church, and John, John Calvin and Luther, it says you could go by their beds and these wooden floors and you would see grooves in the floors from where their knees had been. Look, 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 look what it says here. In verse 1, it says, I urge then first. Somebody shout first. First of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. The first thing is prayer. Now watch this. In verse 8, therefore, Chapter 2, 1 Timothy. Therefore, I want the men, where everybody? Everywhere. To pray. Lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. 
There's no power in the church because there's no purity of mission. There's no period of mission because we don't got nobody praying. And we really don't have men praying. We don't have young men praying. What we have in our church now is we have a small group. I'm not talking about everybody prayed. I know everybody prayed. But for, I'm talking about intense, I mean focused, crying out, intentional, we will pray until the walls come down kind of stuff. For the most part, the enemy has been skillful to get it to be just a few little old women. When they die, God have mercy on our souls. Some of us are living right now because somebody dead (laughs) prayed for you. And even though they died, God still hears their prayers. This church right now is riding. We are surviving, not thriving. We are surviving off the prayers of folks that's not even here. So, in conclusion, what happened? They said, look, the apostles, they got it. They said, look, we have one mission, save souls. Anything that diverts from that, we can't, you're not going to keep us from praying, Satan. You're not. The Bible says, once they made that, their mind up, notice what the scripture says. It says, then God added more souls to the church. And then he throws this in here. He says, and also there was a large group of priests that were saved. Now, you know what happened here, right? When they got flogged and persecuted by the priests, you know what they started doing? They started praying that God would save them. The reason why Satan was trying to stop them from praying is because he knew that those priests were on the verge of giving their lives to God. Oh, hear me, hear me, hear me. There are people that are not here right now that are on the verge of coming in here if we would simply ask God to send them. Satan wants to stop us from praying because he knows that the prayer of the weakest sinner, Gwen, will literally have to open up the windows of heaven and pour out the souls. I'm done. So, so, so. I'll tell you the story. I hate repeating stuff the second service. You know, it's just like people heard it before, but it's all right. So, but this, I got to tell you this. So my friend Paulette in, uh, in Africa, she, she went to a private gaming reserve. A private game reserve is basically, you know, it's like they have these nice hotels that are set up, Norton, in the middle of the natural habitat of the animals. So you, you stand in a five-star hotel and the alligator pond is right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, you know, you know who's you know who's staying there. Amen. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. So 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 but it's it's quite secure from what I understand. So 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 it, it, the natural habitat is it. lions running back and forth. You know, elephants. They say that the number one killer in Africa is not a lion, but it's a uh, uh what is it? Hippo. Hippo, man. Hippo. Oh, Lord. The hippo. Hippos are running around. <laughs> so she says, it's nighttime. Sister Bonner, she says, it's nighttime, right? She says, and at night, all of a sudden, 
they start hearing the loudest noise that they've ever heard. And it's animals talking to each other. The monkeys, I mean, and, 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 and the wildebeest, there was, she says, and it gets louder and louder and louder. And the guy tells them this. He says, let me tell you what's going on here. She says, there's a lion coming. There's a lion coming. So they peered out and, could, and it would look as best they could. And so what these animals are doing is they're having cross-communication with each other, warning each other, saying, the lion is coming. The, 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 the ranger also told them that they're also saying to the lion, you can't come here. Get away from here, lion. Stand back, lion. And they're hollering at the lions. One thing you know about lions, lions never attack anybody by themselves. Right? And they don't do it in broad daylight. See, all the stuff they show you on National Geographic is just like, and by the way, when I was there, like, what I was shocked about was, like, them lions, I was telling them in the office, they ain't small like we see on TV. Them jokers stand six feet tall. Their heads are like this. That's why they will walk you down. So, 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 so the animals... The, the lion is coming, and so they're making all kind of noise. She says it's deafening how loud they are. They are hollering to each other, and monkeys are talking to monkeys, bamboos to bamboos. I mean, they're just shouting. The lion is coming, and they're saying to the lion, Lion, don't you come here! You can't, you're not going to take ours! So the lion is crouching. And so while they're hollering, he said, okay. She said the lions just sat down. One hour. Two hours. Three hours. No movement. She says, all along, Zach, the chatter is starting to silence. Pastor Bedney, she says, after a while, you could hear snoring from animals. They went to sleep. They said, the lion is there, but we don't have to worry about it. See, many of us, when we first started in this journey, we were hollering. We were crying out to God. We prayed about everything. But see, now that you've been around for a while, that's for them. And so you know what the lion did? It's just going to wait you out until you stop hollering. And then she said, she said it happened so fast. The, o- the only way you knew it happened is you could hear it. The lions went and attacked the weakest one. And they don't attack one at a time. A whole pride of them. Boom. The lion never would have done that. If they kept hollering. I'm just saying, the apostles showed us. They said, look, the lion's coming. He's trying to stop us from the main reason why the church is existing. To win souls. We exist for people who are not even here yet. The only reason why we keeping lights on and paying bills and why you return in tithe is for people who are not even here. This church ain't for you. You're here already. We're waiting on others to come in. But if he can just keep us 
distracted, yeah. divided, yeah. in drama. He knows we ain't going to pray. And he's especially afraid when we pray together. And before you know it, he'll have somebody. And then we're standing around saying, well, when did they leave? What happened? It all happened when you stopped hollering. When you stopped praying. One more story that I want you to play. Somebody's going to join the church today. I was reading a story about a couple that went hiking, an older couple in their 60s that went hiking in California in the mountains. Of course, you know in, in California, one of the things that's very prevalent, especially in Northern California in the mountains, are mountain lions. So while they were on the trail, they were actually, I'm sorry, they were on bike trail. As they were, they were biking, out of nowhere, a mountain lion darted out in front of them and immediately began to attack the wife going for the jugular, immediately go for the head to wrap its teeth, which I think produces somewhere around 2,500 pounds of pressure on the neck. One bite and it's over. It's a wrap. So he jumps on it. He cannot get a grip on this 65-year-old woman and her husband standing there who is about 66 years old. He, he picks up sticks and rocks and throwing it at the lion and trying to get the lion to stop. His wife is in his grip. Story says that after a while, nothing seemed to work as he was trying. He was trying everything he could to save his wife. And the story says that some holy boldness and unction got him. And he looked at the lion and said, get off my wife. Story says that he just started hollering. Said he said, ah, get up in the lion's face, get off my wife. It, it, was, it was such an amazing story that it was, it was, it was produced in, in Reader's Digest two and three times over. They said that the lion let go of the woman, turned and looked at him like he was crazy, and walked away. I don't know if y'all are hearing what I'm talking about today. Satan is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. God, we've got we've to we've stay on our faces and we've got to keep at the praying wall and we've got to stay on our knees and we've got to be in the prayer meeting and on the prayer line and, and wherever prayer, early up in the morning and late at night, we've got to pray, we've got to fast because the devil is powerless against the, the praying church. Go ahead, go ahead. So, so here it is. So what happens is drama comes in our lives and our first reaction is to respond in the flesh. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to handle this. What you ought to do is get on your face. There's a situation my family is going through right now and I'm so tempted to jump in and to give a piece of my mind and to fix it. You know what the word of the Lord has been to me? Norton, the, the word of the Lord has been simple. He says, have you forgotten that you have not. Let me see that spear, Pastor Goksman. I gotta tell one more story. In the intertestamental period, there was a wise prophet named Honi. I was telling this to the elders. 
It's in the book called Circle Maker. It's a book on prayer. It said that there had been a period of time where there was no rain. There was famine everywhere. And guess what? Andana, people were praying for rain, but there was no rain. Anybody relate to that? You're praying and ain't nothing happening? I'm going to tell you next week why. So they're praying. Nothing's happening. Nothing's going on. I mean, just, just, just praying. God sent rain. Our children are dying. Nothing's happening. And so Honey, with holy boldness, got up on the outskirts of the city, walked into Jerusalem. He had a stick in his hand. And the story says that when he got into the middle of the city, he said not a word. He took the stick in the dirt and began to create a circle. All the way through the dust. Wrapped a circle around himself. And then the story says he fell to his face and he said, send the rain. I will not leave this circle, God, until you send the rain. God, I need that kind of prayer life. The story says that drops of rain began to fall. It said people might begin to rejoice. Praise God. The rain. He was not satisfied. So that's when you know the Lord. You know, I know you can do more than that. He got down on his face. He says, for this kind of rain, I have not prayed. But for torrents and downpour, I ain't moving until it rains. The story says that God said, okay, I just needed to know what you was asking for. Look in the history books. It said it rained so bad that there were flash floods and people had to run to the hills for safety. We have not. Father in heaven right now. We have gotten away from this thing. We're so sophisticated now. We can stream, we can video, and we rationalize everything. We've got a reason for every reason why we don't talk to our father. And Father, as we hear a message like this today, we look in the face of it and we have to say to ourselves, we have sinned. There are some of us here right now, every decision we make, we make in the four corners of our brain. We have led our own lives for so long, we don't know what it means to pray. There are many of us right now on the edge of a miracle. And the devil is keeping us so bombarded with life that we will not and cannot and are too busy to pray. But our miracle is literally at the door. We have not. Because we ask not. Here's my appeal. Do you want to be a man and a woman, not who prays, but a man and woman of prayer? I invite you to stand right now. I want you to pray right now because God is getting ready to lead a soul to Jesus Christ. Is there somebody that wants to join God's church today? You want to give your life to him. You want to be free from the bondage of the enemy and say, God, I need you in my life. Somebody's praying you out right now. If you want to join God's church, I invite you to come forward right now. God is calling you to make a decision for him right now.
bless you. Anybody else? You want to join the church? Surrender to him. You want to be baptized? Whatever it is, it's time to come home. There's a devil out there and he's planning to destroy your life. But did you know that you're more powerful than him when you call out to God? (laughs) Did you know that? Did you know that? Anybody else? It's time to let Jesus in. What you saw today was a snapshot, a picture of what the devil is trying to do in your life. But you will lift up your eyes to the hills from whence cometh your help. Your help comes from the Lord. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Is there anybody that needs a miracle today? No, hear me now. I'm not afraid anymore. I used to be afraid to ask for what I wanted because I was afraid that I would be disappointed. But even when God doesn't give you what you want, you got to be specific in asking for what you want so that when he answers your prayer, you know that he answered it. Ask and it shall be given. Is there anybody in here who needs, stands in need of a miracle? And you know you need to go into the war room of prayer? I want to invite you to come right now too. Some of you right now, you're talking, yeah, I think I should do this. I want to do this. God has spoken on some stuff in your life and it has not happened because you have not prayed courageously. Anybody need a move of God? You're sick and tired of seeing it. You're sick and tired of the devil boasting how he has it under control. Now, yell at that lion. Call out to your father and say, Father, I will not move. I will not let you go until you bless me. Some of you are on your way to hell. But if you would just cry out to Jesus, he'll save your soul. The word of God says that even the saving of souls is in prayer. It says, call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. Is there anybody else? Some of you are sitting in this church. You grew up in this church. You're a child in this church. Your parents raised you in this church.